Good morrow to you. It is 8 o'clock on Wednesday, and that means that Bantering the Blue Shirts is going to be directly in your ear, inserted right into your ear hole, where you can hear us speaking wow. about the New York Rangers. Uh, I've kind of gotten an idea that the beginnings of our podcast were a little boring. We'll spruce it up with some ear music. Uh, my name is Joe Fortunato. I am joined, as always, by my co-hosts, Beth Macklin and Michael Murphy. Ladies and gentlemen, how are you? We're good. Well, there's two of us, so we're not ladies and gentlemen. We're lady sure, and gentlemen. Lady, lady and gentlemen. But uh, yeah, this is uh, this is the way it goes. Welcome back. This is the 18th episode, the third of this uh, fresh new season. We are nearing the end of the NHL preseason. We have a pretty good idea of not really having a good idea of who's going to win out these roster battles, uh, both forward and defense little housekeeping before we get started that uh, t-shirt design that I alluded to you previously on the last show has been officially launched you can find the link on the notes from yesterday's game or the bantering the blue shirts uh, reminder today on blueshirtbanter.com so you can go there and you can click that link and you can see two of the beautiful designs that Mike designed and you can buy shirts and that puts money in our pockets and then we can take that money and we can use it to buy things like food uh, and crab. other fun things. Taco. Maybe crab. You might use crab shirts to buy crab people. Or excuse me, crab people shirts to buy crab. Um, so I guess we I'll should probably that. just ease into we have no idea what's going on with this team in regards to the bottom six. Uh, I think it's fair to say we don't have really any idea of what's going on with the defense at all. Uh, the Rangers made a series of cuts today. No real surprises. They leave 29 players on the roster. Uh, Boo Nieves, uh, Fontaine, and Lindbergh are injured parties who cannot be cut. So Lindbergh obviously would not be cut anyway, but Fontaine and uh, Nieves will be cut at some point. And then it sort of becomes anybody's guess. Let's start with the forwards because I think that's going to be where we have most of our conversation uh, in terms of bubble players that are fighting for a spot. The Rangers today officially sent down uh, Matt Bodie, John Gilmore, Ryan Graves. Those are the defensemen. Uh, Rivik, Jensen, Kovacs, and uh, Stromwall. Summers was sent down the other day, and Mackenzie Skapsky was also sent down. Guys, with who is left, and Beth will start with you. Who's impressed you the most in terms of bubble players? Obviously, Zabinijad is up there, but... We know he's going to be on the team. Uh, who's impressed you the most, and uh, what are you looking forward to? Oh, Joris, too. Um, Sorry, guys. I, for, I forgot about Joris. Uh, they reminded me in the chat. He also exists and is injured, so he's not been cut yet either. I'm going to try to be wrong, but at least consistent. Are we saying uh, Businevich? Is that how we're saying that? Businevich, I think, is the way we're saying it. Businevich, okay. Businevich. Uh, I heard Sam say it. And I, I trust Sam over almost anybody. <laughs> well, I am really looking forward to him scoring a goal, which sounds obvious, but uh, he's come close a couple times. Um, that's going to make me really happy. Um, yeah, I mean, watching the Bonanja, I mean, that's been an absolute pleasure. Peary's been a lot of fun. And, um, you know, it's been interesting to see what they get going on up there. Um, are we talking only prospects right now, or 
You can talk about whoever you, guys, you want. guys, what are we talking about? <laughs> Just let's keep it within the forward spectrum because we're going to get to Clem Dunning in the defense later. We don't want to spoil that. Okay. The other thing I'll say about the forwards, which I almost said last time, uh, but we sort of uh, got away from it and it didn't seem relevant anymore. Um, I've seen in a lot of places that this is, you know, come back. He's ready. This time he's prepared. He's had a great summer conditioning and all of that. Um, yeah. Which may very well be true, but I also thought that that was what happened last summer when he went to his sports <laughs> therapist and he did all that conditioning and he came back and this was going to be the year. So I, I feel like that's sort of strange for that to be the kind of story about him right now when I feel like I've heard that story already. This I don't mean as criticism of Kreider at all. Um, but it's just so clear from those narratives that we're waiting for something from him that we haven't quite seen yet. He had that goal the other night. Um, I still think that that first game when he, um, what was he playing with? He was playing with uh, Lucinevich and Ziba, shall I say. I just feel like I'm going to say everything wrong tonight. I still feel like that was the happiest he's looked on a line in years. I just thought he looked creative and consistent and aggressive. Um, I haven't been quite as thrilled with how he's looked since that first night. I mean, I'm still, I'm still impressed, but um, I just find it interesting that we keep telling that story at the end of every summer when he comes back. Um, so I guess next year will be like third times the charm for this being the year for him. But I would really, really like this to be the year for him, and I feel like there are people out there who he plays with well now, new guys. Um, and maybe that's, what he's, maybe that's what he's been waiting for. Maybe that's going to set him off to make him the player we've all been waiting for him to be, consistently, I should say. He is quite often that hmm. player, but you never know who you're going to get. Anyway. Michael? Um, since Beth talks about all the players – who have offensive upside and are fun to watch. I guess I'll talk about two guys I've really been paying, trying to pay a lot of attention to, and that's uh, Grabner and Gerby. Um, I, you know, we could talk about, you know, Brandon Peary all day, but uh, Grabner and Gerby to me are, were what I consider to be really smart, you know, free agent pickups. Uh, I wrote a pretty extensive piece about what Grabner might represent for the Rangers and, um, Grabner and Gerby are like, I'm pairing them together here because it's no secret the Rangers were awful on the penalty kill and both Grabner and Gerby are guys who are well established uh, penalty killers and have had uh, a lot of success um, with uh, Gerby with Carolina and Grabner with Toronto and the Islanders obviously um, and it's been interesting to me because I've been waiting for Grabner to kind of uh, you know, grab my or got uh, to grab my attention um, in the preseason, but it hasn't really happened. Um, he's been in three games. He picked up a goal, but uh, you know, I was hoping to see a little bit more of that famous speed. And you know, Gerby in three games has picked up two assists, but I thought he's looked good. Of course, you know, you can't look at Gerby without thinking, oh, he's adorable. He's very tiny. But something that Gerby offers that really makes him valuable is, like Peary, he can play center, left, or right. And 
I am wondering if that's going to help him, you know, linger around here. Um, he's just the Rangers got him for one year at 600K, so you know, very very little risk and all reward for a veteran guy who, you know, is really hungry to stay at the NHL level. And you know, he had a down year with Carolina, but almost everyone had a down year with Carolina. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm hoping that we'll we'll see that competition for those last few spots heat up because, you know, as, as Joe pointed out, you know, there's 18 forwards that are still in camp, but we know that, you know, three of them, including Lindbergh are guys who um, are hurt. So it's more, it's a, it's a tighter race than you might think now. So it's getting, it's getting a crunch time here with figuring out these lines. I'm looking forward to, to seeing who emerges here. I'm going to, we did our like chaos theory last uh, Tony session of the podcast. Uh, I'm going to once again, open up that door and I'm going to answer this sort of question in a realm where I don't have a bone in my body that believes that Tanner glass is going to make this team in terms of foreshadowing at the end of this podcast in the Tony time, I am going to go on a rant about what I actually think is going to happen but you have to stick around and wait for that. You don't just get to hear that right now. Um, (laughs) Assuming that he does not, that Glass does not make the team. You look at Gerby and you look at Grabner, and to me, I think one of those two guys will survive the cuts and will make the team. I'm actually the exact opposite of you, Mike. I think I've noticed Grabner and haven't really noticed Gerby. Not that either of them have been bad, but Grabner, I think, has caught my attention a little bit more. Uh, for the role that Vigneault wants to use these guys, you don't really want to notice them all that much. If you're noticing Grabner and Gerby, yeah. more likely because it's some type of a defensive miscue or some other abomination that we've been so privy to these <laughs> past few years that just makes you want to drive your head through a wall. Those are guys who I think are going to make a bigger impact on the penalty kill. They're going to be sort of the sight unseen pieces of the machine, if you will. Um, I like Grabner. I, I think he brings a lot to the table. The game against the Islanders was his best game, but I just don't really see a way that both of them make the team. I just don't. Yeah, Gerby apparently has an out clause, according to a report that I read in Newsday for the Swiss League. Uh, so does Joris. Uh, I don't know what that's going to do in terms of the Rangers' decision-making. What I do know is that Gerby's on a one-year contract. Grabner is on a two-year contract. And the reason why that is important is because the expansion draft is next year and you could expose Grabner, whereas Gerby, you obviously cannot. Um, that's going to be a factor one way or another. Uh, Beth, to your point, I think Kreider has been really good. I like what I've seen out of him. We might not have seen that super dominance uh, that we saw in the first game, but like you alluded to, that was also with the Zabinijad and Buchnevich line that was the Rangers' most explosive line in camp and in this preseason. Yep. When you talked about you've never seen Kreider happier – it's really because you're looking at two players who can do everything. I don't think Kreider has had the luxury of being on a line where defenses don't have to worry about someone else's shot, believe it or not. Kreider has sort of been the goal scorer, whatever line he's on, and it's kind of easy to shut those guys down. Now, if you want to turn off the valve, if you will, on Kreider, well, Zabinijad is sniping corners from the faceoff dot, which Nevich has to score eventually. This can't continue. Um, and there's really nowhere to go. Now, is that going to be the line when the season starts? I don't know. I hope it will be, but I don't know. Um, but I, I, he was in front of the net, deflected the Mark Stahl shot, 
against the Islanders. Kreider's been in front of the net a lot more. Even on the power play, he's been in front of the net a lot more. It's the little things in his game that you notice. And Zabinijad looks like he's already replaced Broussard's offense and uh, is going to be just that take that next step. He talked about wanting to break out. I mean, he had 50 points last year, and he doesn't think that's a breakout year. For Broussard, that kind of was what Broussard was. So if we get more out of him outside of him being a restricted free agent at the end of the year and having to worry about that type of a, a contract negotiation, there's a lot of things on the up and up in terms of the forwards for the Rangers. Now, your perfect, I guess we're all in agreement of the top nine, I guess we'll say. Uh, yeah. What would be your ideal fourth line, Beth? I floated out an idea of maybe having JT Miller as the fourth line center to roll with four lines of skill until Oscar Lindbergh got back. Do you foresee something different in your ideal world? Uh, what did the comments look like when you floated that? I didn't look at them. <laughs> what did people so think? So this is where running a Rangers website has its perks, <laughs> and the perks are you're always wrong. There was a time where JT Miller was a bust and I was defending him and did not want him traded two years ago, really under any circumstances. And people told me that I was a moron and that I overvaluate the Rangers prospects and that I should go die. Now I am a moron because JT Miller is the second coming of Christ and he has to be in the top six because if he's not, I am a moron and I should go die. So some people thought it was okay. Most people, if we're being completely honest, could not wrap their head around the fact that if you put Miller on the fourth line, it would not be a traditional fourth line. It would be four lines of skill. You'd really be running two third lines. 90% of the criticism was, why are you demoting Miller to the fourth line? And if you're talking like that, you've already missed the point. Yeah, I mean, I think there's the opportunity. I'm not going to marry myself to the line. I do think there's the opportunity to be creative here. Um, and I think I said something like this last time to just see where the parts go. I, I kind of like that idea of two third lines. I hate, um, I do want to think of the fourth line, not as a demotion, but as, you know, a contributing line with a strategy that has a reason to exist. Um, that plays a role. Uh, we had a fourth line like that in the not too distant past. Um, that I don't think anybody viewed as a demotion for the players who were on it because of how they performed. Um, so, yeah, I'm not – I'm if we don't have four great lines with the offense that we have right now, we're definitely doing something wrong. So um, I'm not against yeah. that Miller idea, um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deflect over to Mike now, actually see what he thinks. Well, I was I was going to bring it up before, but I, I knew we would end up talking about the fourth line here. And because of that, I can now, after after what I said before, I can now say that I do think Grabner should get the edge over Gerby. And unlike Beth, I will marry myself to a fourth line. Uh, the fourth line <laughs> I would like to see is Grabner, Peary, and Lindbergh when he's healthy, and until then, fast. And the reason I would like to see that is because I firmly believe that you're not depriving the team of anything if you choose speed and skill and offensive upside over 
guys who can take the body or guys who will drop the gloves and defend their teammates or, you know, heart or whatever, whatever words you want to grab from 1980s hockey broadcast. Um, it's, I know that there's a lot of concern about the defense and how the Rangers are going to fare with a blue line that leaves a lot of us uncomfortable and the idea of not having a fourth line that has, you know, more defensive players makes that a little scary for some people. But Brandon Peary scores goals. He creates offense. Uh, Jesper Fast has shown that, you know, he can get things done. Oscar Lindbergh, you know, has shown that he's been pretty underrated uh, with the Rangers. He's just had issues staying healthy. And Grabner, you know, Grabner's Grabner. There's a reason the Rangers, you know, paid, you know, 1.65 over, you know, for two years to to get him in free agency. He has a chance to be a guy a lot of teams would kill to have in their third line. And we're talking about him even making the Rangers roster. And, you know, to reiterate what Beth said, if we don't put together four good lines here, we're clearly doing something wrong. You'd hope that the Rangers would uh, see an opportunity where they have such a sea of talent, just a plethora of talented forwards who, honestly, if you look at the cuts the Rangers have made, Rivik and Jensen deserve to be fourth-line players this year. Maybe not even for the Rangers, oh, maybe for other teams as well. Yeah. Those guys deserve to be there, and they're not even their afterthoughts to this team because of the amount of talent that the New York Rangers have. And Vigneault is an opportunity, and I think it's a relatively rare one, to take this team and run 12 skilled forwards. He talked about being potentially married to the idea of a defensive slash penalty kill specialist fourth line. I am really hoping that Brandon Peary changed his mind and made him realize that not that he's the key, but his presence gives you the capability of running four lines that are skill and speed. You put step on with Nash, that's the line that takes your biggest defensive responsibilities. Zabinajad, Buchnevich, and Kreider can probably handle pretty big minutes, too. You may have to shelter a Hayes, VC, you know, however you do it. If that becomes the Peary line, that's fine. But fast, JT Miller and Grabner is a line that can also handle those defensive minutes because fast and Grabner can cover for Miller. So I am curious to see what they do. And part of this is going to be in the rant later because I think I know what they're going to do. And I'm going to have an aneurysm, and I don't want to do that. We have a caller who has been waiting for 17 minutes. I apologize. I believe this is a Nevada <laughs> area code. 775, Nevada. you're on Banter in the Blue Shirts. Who's this? Hey, this is Michael from Nevada. Well, see, I got it right. I don't know how I knew that that was a Nevada area code, but I do know that it's a Nevada area code. How are you doing, Michael? Good. How are you guys doing tonight? We are good. What do you want to talk about? Doing good. Well, to kind of pick up with what you guys were talking about with the forward combinations, and unlike you guys, I'm not 100% sold that Glass is going to be sent to Hartford. I, I think he's still going to be I'm there. not either. Oh, just wait for the rant, my friend. Which, by the way, none of you are going to be able to listen to live. You're going to have to download the podcast. That's the Tony way of doing I, things. How we do it. I, I, I'm just a pessimist with that. But to kind of echo what you guys just said, if he goes with 12 skilled forwards, um, he's got he's going to have a tremendous advantage to kind of set up that fourth line to take advantage of uh, mismatch opportunities 
with the other team. He can go with a defensively sound line against a team where he needs that. But if there's a team that's weak on the bottom, he can certainly load up with an offensive line and, you know, take advantage of those deficiencies that another team has in the bottom six. Yeah, and I actually think that's a really great point, and it's something that we've thought about before. And uh, thank you so much for calling in, man. We really appreciate it. You guys can all call in it, if you want. There, uh, was, there was one more thing I wanted to talk sure, about, too, was um, I haven't gotten to see a lot of the games, but from what I've been reading, it kind of sounds like um, Mackenzie Skapsky's kind of put his name back in play for having a future here as a goaltender as opposed to some of the other guys, and I wanted to hear your guys' comments on that, too. Thank you guys for letting me participate and uh, have a great evening. And thanks for calling in. Thanks yeah, for coming by. We have a very polite <laughs> fan base. It's it's wonderful. Well, thank you, Michael. Um, I'm going to start with in terms of him talking about with matchups. One of the things that when – so when the Rangers swapped Tortorella for Vigneault, one of the benefits of having uh, – being part of this hockey hub on SB Nation is that you have a direct link to another website that has another group of fans just like us who can give you opinion on things that, you know, come their way. So when I spoke to the guys over there about Vigneault, one of the things that they gushed about was his matchups, his ability to match the right guys up in the right situation – his ability to they, – they actually said taking other coaches' lunches in terms of the way that he was a matchup king. And we saw that in 2014. And then in 2015, we saw nothing like that. And then last yeah. year, we actually saw guys like Tanner Glass out against the toughest competition getting brutally manhandled, and no one did anything about it. To Michael's point, if you run four lines of skill – and again, we're talking 12 skill forwards. You really don't have a traditional fourth line. It's going to be th- two third lines. When the other team needs to send out their quote-unquote defensive fourth line, whatever that line is, if you match them up with Nash and Stefan, you now have three scoring lines that you can send out there and take advantage of them on. That's the idea behind it. There is no weakness. Not the... You may need to kind of switch things up. Maybe at the end of the game, you shorten your bench a little bit and you're just running fast and Grabner and uh, Nash and Stefan and that's, you're kind of making stuff up there. That's fine. But I do see a true benefit to using four skill lines because you always have a weapon in your back pocket. You knew the fourth line was going to get a shift one way or another. When the Rangers were down by two goals or they needed a goal or they needed a spark or whatever – Glass and company went on the ice. Glass and Daniel Paye went on the ice. That is not how you win hockey games. Having JT Miller fast and Grabner in the wings is a nice weapon to have. They're fast. They're defensively sound. There's enough offense there that they can take care of business. That's the idea I like. The question is, do you trust Vigneault to utilize that strategy? And Beth, based off of your gasp of horror, I'm going to say you don't think that. Well, I mean, this year's this year's not last year. We all know that. I mean, this year, it would be much more egregious to not have four strong lines because we have four strong lines. I mean, the thing I was just this up as a comment, but you know, I mean, that line was a nightmare. It wasn't even just the Tanner Glass, Daniel Pye, whatever it was going on. It was remember, it was also whoever Av was mad at that day. Um, 
getting bumped down. Dominic Moore was centering Tanner Glass and whoever was in the timeout corner. And it was a mess. Um, you know, so I, th- I think that's even one of the reasons why right now the idea of JT Miller on the fourth line kind of makes people cringe a little bit because that's what it became. Yeah. And, you know, it's I would really like to see just four relentless lines. And, I mean, there really doesn't seem to be another choice that you could make a good case for to me right now, um, which is why I'm terrified that it's not what he's going to do. And I agree with the caller that I don't feel like we can guarantee. Am I, am I interrupting your rant? Do you know where I'm about to, what I'm about to say? My rant is going to, it's, you're just throwing gasoline in an area where I'm eventually going to light a match. So by all means, you may go, my rant is going to be that I don't think he's going anywhere and I think I, don't think I have he is the either. blueprint. I think I can see into the future, and I have blueprinted how he's going to play fifty plus games next year. And uh, I don't. I don't want to ruin the show. I want to. I want to get to that part where people have already downloaded <laughs> us and they're listening to us before we get there. Because um, I'm. I'm trying to be a, a better marketer. Michael, your thoughts on whether or not you can trust Vigneault to deploy these boards properly? I guess. Boards. Well, I'm glad uh, uh, Mike from Nevada has been a great member on Banter for many years now. I'm glad I'm glad he got to call in and offer his two cents there and ask us this question. Um, I I don't know. It's there's an interesting chart that uh, Sean Tierney from today's Slapshot put up about um, coaches with um, expected goals. I believe it was expected goals for and goals against, and one of the most dramatic. Um, differences for you know a coach who was on where you want to be on the chart and where you really don't want to be on the chart was uh was Vigneault with his time with Vancouver it was where you want to be in Rangers I forget I forget which year I believe it was last year was where you don't want to be um I've developed uh, admittedly a bit of a mistrust with Vigneault I to be fair, I don't think there's been a Rangers coach that I've felt a lot of confidence in um, in my lifetime. But uh, I'm often en- envious of other coaches um, throughout the league. Um, but it's uh, it's hard to say what we expect to see from him just because the track record is really rough. And it's it was indefensible that Glass was around last year when he was around, and still he was there. And in the preseason game against the Islanders, I, you know, I watched, I watched Tanner Glass fight a 40-year-old Eric Fulton, and, you know, I, I watched them drop the gloves, uh, throw some punches at each other's faces, uh, look at each other, say good fight, and head to the penalty box. And I realized that part of the game is not going anywhere. And I think Vino is one of many coaches who still thinks you know, that part of the game belongs. And it was encouraging to see LaPierre get released from his PTO. And that gave me a little bit of hope that, you know, maybe this is the year, but I, I probably defer to pessimism just because there's a reason to be pessimistic with the track record here. And that's kind of the point. Uh, Some of the beat reporters mainly, Steve Zappay uh, have poked a little bit of fun at everybody freaking out over some of the quotes that Vigneault has made. But 
there's always an agenda. Wherever you have to find it, but there's an agenda. And people wouldn't have these reactions in the event that something didn't come from it. You know, last year we heard all about how Mikorath needs to be better with the puck, how he's not good enough taking care of business, and yet Girardi and Stahl played every night. Last year we heard about how players need to be held accountable. They need to be defensively responsible. And Tanner Glass played over Oscar Lindbergh the second half of the year, basically, and then played over Kevin Hayes in the playoffs. Last year we heard about how Emerson Eden was going to be given a real shot and Jason Megna played more power play time in one game than Edom got in 20 games on Broadway. Or the fact that Edom just lost his starting role because he got sick one day. There is an agenda, one way or another. And the real agenda is Vigneault trusts his guys. We've tried to stay away from this. I'm just going to make one comment, and then we can get into it later. Dan Girardi has probably been the Rangers' worst defenseman in the preseason against not NHL talent. And yet he's only played in two games, and there has not even been a whisper of any concern from the Rangers that he's not a top-line defenseman. So you know what you're getting with Vigneault. And part of the chaos theory last year was that, or last year, last show, is that Gordon is probably taking a step back and saying, you know what, he's got to do this for him. Vigneault needs to figure this out one way or another. And we're going to give him all the rope we can to either hang himself with, or all the rope we can for him to dig himself out of the hole. And I don't know what that's going to be, but it's a scary thing. I, I don't think the Rangers believe they're contenders right now. We talked about that last week, too. They're just not talking the way you expect a team like that to talk. But when you really sit down and you boil down what you're hearing from Vigneault and what you're seeing from Vigneault, it's an issue. That glass has made it this far through the, the preseason is ludicrous. The fact that there's all this talent sitting in the, raw, in the wings and Vigneault keeps talking about that defense first line, maybe that's going to be the justification for getting him in there. I don't know. But it is definitely something to be worried about. And because I, this is such a, a – Yeah, oh. go ahead. No, go. No, I mean, can I ask a – you know, maybe this is an old-time hockey question. Maybe I'm just not up to date. Okay, so if we're even going to buy the logic that – Vigneault thinks he needs a guy like Glass on the ice. Like, we don't agree with the logic, but we acknowledge that as much as we disagree, there is a logic. Um, Isn't even that logic defeated by the presence of McElrath right now? That's what I don't get. Like, if you want your grit guy out there, your grit guy isn't even the one producing the grit anymore. I would rather watch McElrath tape a stick than I would rather watch Glass fight. But that was boring the, the, as hell last night. I mean, and the, again, I don't want to watch fights. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying I don't even see how that makes sense in a system that I don't agree with. Uh, like I was saying before, this is the agenda. Vigneault has been on record as saying that he doesn't think fighting really has a place in the game. But hits and grit and toughness are some of the attributes that he gives to Glass to make his point for why he has to play. I am totally against the existence of enforcers. I don't think fighting has much of a role in hockey anymore. However, I love organic fights. The McElrath going into the pile to try to kill Gudis, I love that part of the game. And it's brutal, and it's, you know... 
violent and maybe it's not exactly the reason why you're there, but I don't need, like Mike said, the stage, let's square up and let's do, I don't need that. And I don't want that. If I only see five fights a year, that's perfect because those fights are real. And usually when you're at a hockey game and you're really frustrated, you want to see someone punch the other guy in the face. It was why Tortorella had such a fan following because he said the stuff and did the stuff that you would totally do if you were behind the bench. So I think it was an excuse. It's just something he does. It's an easy way for people to talk about his heart and his toughness and his character. And all of those are true things. Tanner Glass is a wonderful human being. He is a supporter of You Can Play. He is a great guy for the room. I have never, ever heard a single negative thing about his personal life. I've never heard a single negative thing about his presence as a teammate. I have never heard a single negative thing about his existence in a locker room. But I would be a great teammate too, and I am not on the ice because I can't play hockey very well. Tanner Glass is a trillion times better at hockey than I am, but when you're trying to win a Stanley Cup and you have the goaltender of the generation entering his twilight years, a guy who is a a finite talent that has brought light and hope and positivity to a hockey team that desperately needed it during the dark ages of no playoffs, and you may throw that generational once-in-a-lifetime, you will never, ever, ever see someone that good again talent away because you're being loyal to the wrong people. That's what I think it is. I think it's an agenda. I think that there is always something. Vigneault is going to do what Vigneault wants. Like I said, he catches flies with honey, but him and Tortorella are the exact same thing. They don't answer questions, they don't tell you anything, and they do what they want. They don't care. Mike, do you disagree with any of this? Uh, I think... I love the deep side, by the way. Like, we've entered the territory (laughs) where we're just inherently frustrated with everything we're talking about, and it's bad. But go on. It's, uh... I just, I don't want to end up going down the the dark spiral of uh, fighting in hockey, because I think that most people know where I stand on that. Um, And... You know, Dylan, Dylan McElrath being on the ice didn't do anything to stop Radko Gudis from putting Jim, Jimmy Vesey's head in the boards. Um, I I know that Tanner Glass is a great guy. Uh, Dan Girardi is a great guy. Uh, <laughs> off the true. ice, they're, they're, they're wonderful people. They're good men. And that should be celebrated because – in hockey, unfortunately, in professional sports in general, we don't get enough good men and good women. Um, and I, it makes talking about guys like this uncomfortable, and that's why I think there is such a, a blowback at times from, from people who, you know, kind of push away, you know, words like horsey and possession, and, you know, they, they don't understand why those are the end-all, be-all, you know, tools of measurement here, but... I don't think you need those tools anymore to understand that these guys shouldn't be around and that they were around last season as, you know, as Joe pointed out for being in the lineup over Lindbergh, when you look at what Lindbergh did in not very favorable deployment, Lindbergh was great last season when he was in the lineup. The problem is he just wasn't in the lineup. Um, and he's he was a prospect that the Rangers, you know, were never really ringing any bells about, but he's he was a very solid young player that could have turned into something great. 
the Rangers now find themselves in a position where not only can they have four great lines, they could pretty much have five great lines. And Glass shouldn't wouldn't be on any of them. But we might find ourselves with, with them still being on the team. And if that's in a 13-forward role, we'll hear a lot less grumbling about it. But it's still not what we should see. It's still the wrong thing moving forward. And I know that... Uh, you know, we want to try and be patient with Vino and we want to try and give him, you know, the opportunity to do things his way here. But, you know, it's been a couple of years now. It's time it's time for, you know, this team to to head in a, a new direction because you know, we we've seen it's it's a weird thing to go in a training camp and for Rick Nash to say things like, I have to earn my spot on this roster. This team doesn't believe it's a Stanley Cup contending team. And there are some things holding it back that are obvious to seemingly everyone, but the ones making, but the guys making the decisions, and that's a big problem. And where I was kind of taking this, and, and Beth kind of took us a step further, but as we transition to the defense and what we think is going to happen, there are eight players left. Uh, we can safely assume that Ryan McDonough, Dan Girardi, Mark Stahl. Kevin Klein are going to make the team. And then it's sort of a battle of the, well, is it going to be Clendenning? Is it going to be Shea? Is it going to be McElrath? Is it going to be Hall Holden? I guess we could also put in the, is definitely going to make the team. And kind of to your point, Mike, it's not like Vigneault has earned this opportunity to sort of be given trust or the benefit of the doubt. I wrote an article. You can go back through the archives of Blue Shirt Banter. Um, the summer of the New York Rangers signed Glass and said, because of his Stanley Cup run, Vigneault deserved the benefit of the doubt. He got it for a year, and then that was the end of that. And last year, we saw the same thing over and over again. He does what he wants. So, with the defense, we have a guy in Clendenning who has been about a thousand times better than even the highest expectations of him. A guy who has yeah. stepped in, brings an unbelievable skill set that the team desperately needs. He's not the next Keith Yandel. He could be, but I don't think he's going to be. But he is the best, without doubt, at running a power play for the Rangers. McDonough and Stepan ran the power play yesterday, and it was a, a train wreck. Clendenning, Hayes, Bucinevich came out, and it was all of a sudden totally competent. So he brings something the Rangers need. On the flip side, Brady Shea has been something of a disaster. And there's a story that I'm writing on Friday that actually says Shea hasn't been a disaster, but your expectation of him was wrong. Yes, exactly. Exactly. The Rangers have hyped up. Actually, that that story has probably the worst metaphor I have ever come up with in my life. But it's there now and it exists. And I actually yell at the reader. You should should go and uh, you'll appreciate it when the story is finished. But the Rangers should have never used the word Shea, replacement, and Yandel in the same sentence or the same paragraph. There are people who legitimately believe that Shea will be just as effective offensively as Yandel. There are also people who legitimately believe that Brady Shea will be just as effective defensively as Ryan McDonough this year. Neither of those things are going to happen. He is a 22-year-old defenseman being thrown into a complicated defensive system. That is also a tire fire. There is no one you can put him with outside of McDonough that would ease the burden of what he's going into. 
So he's going to struggle. He needs to be given time to struggle. It's okay to struggle. But the Rangers doubled down on him being the guy to replace Yandel and Boyle in the top four, and he's not ready to be the guy to replace them. And now what happens? The Rangers have a really difficult decision to make. And I have a sneaking suspicion Clendenning does not make the team. I have a sneaking suspicion what? he's the guy that gets cut. I'm just saying that's what I think that is going to happen. Screaming. Because they don't want to expose McElrath to waivers, and there's no way Holden's not playing. We know Girardi's playing. By the way, I'm going to throw something positive out there. I think Mark Stahl's been very good this preseason. Honestly, I think he's actually shown the improvement that the Rangers were hoping Girardi was going to show. Not saying he's going to be worth his contract. Not saying this is going to last, although I hope it does. He had moments where he was really good last year, too. They were fleeting, but they existed. I think he's been pretty good this preseason. I've been surprised. And if he can be a serviceable bottom pair defenseman for the Rangers or even a low-end top four, that's fine. That's all you need out of him. Girardi's obviously a different story. So what are your thoughts on the defense? Mike, we can start with you. We've been starting with Beth. We'll give her time to rock back and forth as she thinks about the uh, (laughs) lack of – because let's be completely honest, McElrath and Clendenning are not making the team. They're not both making the team. They may all stick around if Vigneault keeps eight defensemen. They're not ever going to play together unless something crazy happens. But, uh, Mike, give Beth a few moments to uh, eventually not make much of a decision because she never seems to go out on a limb with, with her roster decisions, and uh, we can go like that. Yeah, I'm not sure I want to say what, what I would normally say here about McElrath just because Beth is in a very fragile place right now. But uh, – we have to. I, we owe it to the people. We owe it to Michael, who called, and the listeners to tell the truth. Oh, tell the truth about last night, please. Go ahead, at least, and, well, and more. Yeah, I, I'll start with Clendenning. I think it's it's important for people to remember that this isn't just some you know some guy the Rangers kind of you know stumbled upon. He's turning twenty four at the end of the month. Um, he's He's pretty young by, by you know what we consider young still. You know, I would still call him a younger player, and he's a defenseman, and so we typically try to be more patient with defensemen, which is why people are still patient with the 24-year-old Dylan McElrath. Um, I, I wouldn't, I can't imagine a scenario where Clendenning doesn't earn a roster spot after what he's done in the preseason here. Uh, I don't know if he has to, you know, score a hat trick in his next game or, you know, body check someone through the glass. I don't know what he has to do to, to prove, to make the point that the team needs a guy with his skill set. Am I saying he's the handle? Absolutely not. What I'm saying is he's a guy who will help this what I think is a pretty flawed group of defenders be a little bit better. And I think he can do a better job of that than Nakarath can or Holden can. Um, with that being said, I, I understand why Joe has uh, a feeling that he might not stick around. And that's, that's also very worrisome. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that Joe made the point to, say that Stahl looks good, because I think he has looked good. Um, Stahl often gets lumped together with... (laughs) Stahl often gets, you know, lumped in with Girardi, and 
you know, for good reason, sometimes, you know, he, he looks pretty bad and the numbers show that he's, he hasn't been great. And, you know, we are a little more gentle, I think, with Stahl because of the scary eye injury and all the things that he's gone through. But, uh, you know, if, if Stahl can rebound in even some small way, that is huge news for the Rangers because, you know, Joe really, you know, hammered this nail through the board. But Brady Shea is a kid. He's not the answer to all the problems here. It's gonna it's gonna look bad. Um, people freaked out, you know, when Keith Yandel would turn the puck over and then, you know, roll their eyes when he got, you know, primary assist in the power play and didn't understand that one is connected to the other. It's gonna be a lot of bad from Shea this year, and that's okay because he's young and you only get better by at defense playing in the NHL by making mistakes and developing. Not everyone is Eric Carlson, so I. I want to believe that the right seven defenders will be here uh, at the start of the year. And I don't think that will probably happen. And I, I know that Beth has a mother son love for Matt. <laughs> um, he's a very sweet boy. He's a very funny guy. Uh, I like his jawline. It's very strong, but I'm not sure the Rangers can really afford to have him if, if Girardi's in the lineup every every night, and we all know that's going to happen. That's exactly it. Yeah, and this is yeah. my, and I'm, if you guys hear clicking, I apologize. My dog Stanley has come downstairs because my wife did a terrible job wrangling him upstairs, and uh, <laughs> he's just floating around. But Beth, well, the point that I was going to make for what you said is if Glenn Denning does not make the team this year, say he gets cut, or say he doesn't make the opening night roster. Say Branton Peary does not make the opening night roster. <laughs> then, then what is the point of playing these preseason games? Honestly, why even play them? Just play all the kids, and then just put whatever roster you want out there. Because both Peary and Clendenning have been the best players on the ice in their respective yeah. positions. So if that does not earn them a spot on this team over players that they're outplaying, then what's the point of playing them? Seriously, what is the point of having a preseason? If Peary does not make this team, if he does not get this starting lineup spot that he so deserves, why even play him? And now that we've entered the Tony time, I can go into my rant, which is Wait, no, 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 you can't, because I didn't get to talk about the defense yet. Did you? I thought you did talk about the defense. All no, right, I can't talk about it. You streaked a lot. It's different. Oh, you made a lot right, of screams. Didn't you say something about the, the <laughs> I, I said something about fighting in McElrath or something, I think. But, um, well, I mean, I just wanted to – You don't have to rush. Now, don't, now don't I rush. feel like it – well, I'm not rushing now. I feel like it's not as point. important as I just made a case for it. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say it anyway, which is – I always love it when Joe quotes himself from previous articles, and I'm going to quote myself from a previous <laughs> podcast, which was the podcast when Brady Shea came into the playoffs last year, and we all know what round I'm talking about because there was only one, and oh boy. everyone treated him like the second coming. Um, the game was That's so different. Jesus oh, this is what defense really show. looks like, blah, 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 blah. And I did make the point that, I don't think what we're seeing is excellence. I think what we're seeing is competence. And we're so not used to it that we don't know what it looks like anymore. And, you know, competence is not a bad thing. I, you know, 
you have to be competent before you can be excellent. And, you know, throwing around Keith Yandel's name, like you said, in relation to this kid has created these expectations um, of having him excel at a job that he hasn't really had a chance just to be good at yet, um, just to start doing it. And, again, I understand if McElrath doesn't play. Aside from my maternal feelings, I am okay with that. The reason it will make me bitter, though, is because I feel like he missed a crucial phase in his development because other people played more than they should have. Um, I feel like he sort of skipped a step or missed a stage. Yes, exactly. And I feel that that would have made a difference in his game, and we are missing out on a player that could have been. Um, And, you know, I don't want somebody else to get what, what we could have had. So that's, again, I'll understand if he's not up there. I will be furious if Clendenning isn't up there. I will understand if McElrath isn't, but I feel like we, I feel like the team ill-served him, and I feel like the team has to take some responsibility for where he is right now. Last night he looked drunk at the beginning of the game. I'm not going to lie. Um, oh boy. I love watching But, but as, a, as a loving mother, fantastic. you know that sometimes your kids drink. <laughs> you don't know what to do. You just got to let it happen. That's what it is. Who hasn't been caught drinking um, but you know what's kind of – it's not really funny, but you made me think of it. If you make the argument that McElrath lost a year in his development because of the kind of runarounds he got last year, don't forget that McElrath also lost a year to his development when Kyle Jean destroyed his kneecap and he was out an entire year. So you're already yeah. talking about, like Mike referenced, defensemen take longer to develop, big defensemen take longer to develop than regular defensemen, and McElrath has lost two years – to injuries and a coach who doesn't like him, I guess. I don't even know what the actual justification is for not playing him. So uh, I actually, I will be really upset if he's not, if he's not on the roster uh, in terms of McElrath. Clendenning, I think would be an unforgivable sin, but I, I think McElrath has outplayed Brady Shea. If the Rangers don't love what they're getting out of Brady Shea, and I don't think Brady Shea should go down, but he's waiver exempt. So if you're going to send one of them down, it may as well be him. Um, yeah, I think that's obviously sort of where we are. We don't know, but I don't, I don't understand how Clendenning can't make the team. And I include if he makes the team as the eighth defenseman and he doesn't play because he needs to be playing. Does anyone else have anything they want to say before I begin the rant and then probably take us into the extra Tony time, extra, extra Tony time? No, only shall. Okay. Although I will point out, we're doing a bad job staying secular on this podcast. Saying what? Oh, yeah. Staying we, secular. Have, we have There's many religious references. Yeah, well, that's what I was saying. We last we talked about atheism last show, briefly. And then we've made we two talked about the afterlife, the, for God's sake. Well, yeah, the See, afterlife. Do it again, since for God's sake. And we, we've talked about <laughs> Christ coming back to Earth twice. So we're, uh, yeah. you know, we're with the Catholics this show, I guess. That's the way that it is. Um, well, some of us are. Well, listen, we, we can't. We don't I'm with the dinosaurs. I think they got it wrong. Except against, against puppy throwers, which Mike has become. For, Whoa. Whoa, alleged. Um, alleged, yeah, true. Uh, so here, here's the blueprint. I'm going to tell you exactly what's going to happen and what's going to happen is going to make me want to throw a puppy, but I won't because my dog is hundred pounds and I would hurt myself. Um, the Rangers are going to keep 14 forwards or 13 forwards, but I think they're going to keep 14 forwards. Tanner glass will be one of those forwards. He will not start opening night 
He will not play the first couple of games. But like a viscous black mold, he will grow, and he will get into a game for one reason or another. Someone gets banged up. The Rangers lose a couple of games, and Mignot wants to switch things up. This is what happened last year. Glass did not start the season last year in the lineup. He was an extra. And then he found his way into the lineup, and he played almost every single game. Vigneault does not keep people to not use them unless they're McElrath or Edom. <laughs> when Glass is part of the team, he was sent down last year. He got called back up. When Glass is part of the team in any capacity, he finds a way to play. He was sent down last year, and he still played in 57 games. And four playoff games, including playing over Lindbergh, and playing over – I hope you guys can't hear that. That came right through my screen. I was looking up his, the games that he played. Um, including playing over Lindbergh and including playing over Hayes. It's very clear that Vigneault, like I said, does what he wants. Girardi had a broken kneecap last year, and he still played in almost every single game. Yeah. While McElrath was just sitting on the press box bench, rotting away. So I think that's what's going to happen. I think Perrier, or Lapierre being cut was an issue. I think it was a good thing for us to see, but I think Vigneault's smarter than keeping both of them. I think he's going to keep 14 forwards, and Glass is going to be one of them, and then Glass is going to start playing games. And it's going to be because we need a spark, or it's going to be because the Rangers need some toughness and some grit, or it's going to be because someone is banged up with a mystery ailment, even though Dan Girardi is missing a leg and he's still playing. There's going to be something, and he's going to get into the lineup, and he's going to play another 60 games. And that's the problem. And I'm just saying, if that happens, Vigneault has totally lost his way. If after last year he can't see that he needs to be able to move on from this ideology that veterans are the answer, it's going to be a problem. And I swear on all that is good and holy, if VC or Bushnevich do not make the roster because Glass is playing over them. And you know what? I'm throwing Peary in there too. I will burn something to the ground. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to burn it right to the ground. I'm just going to set something on fire, and it will burn. Maybe it will be important. Maybe it won't. I don't know. Maybe you'll hear this, this recording will be played at my trial for arson, which I think could be a felony in some instances. That's what I think yeah. is going to happen. One of you tell me I'm wrong. One of you tell me I'm wrong. I want to be wrong. Neither of you tell me that I'm wrong. Mike, tell me why I'm right. I I think it's, just, it's pattern recognition. It's seeing what we saw last year and, you know, it's like a dog learns where an electric fence is. You know, after a while, you know, if, if the dog gets shocked to, you know, to bring more animal abuse, specifically to canines, to the podcast, well, it's the dog's fault. You know, it's pattern recognition. You learn, you learn not to expect some things. And this year, it's, it's hard to expect Mino to do the right thing. And what makes it sting all the more is there was very, very scant evidence that glass was important to the team last season. You know, the team doesn't have, you know, it, it doesn't want for leadership or character or grit. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm sure 
Vigneault will look to Glass and see, you know, an option to, oh, you know, maybe Buchnevich isn't going tonight. Uh, let's sit him on the bench, give him give him a second to catch his breath and think things over and plug in Glass for some energy. And when Glass gets in the lineup, Vigneault just doesn't want to take him out, which is why I am terrified that he'll still be around. It's um, it's hard not to be scared just because of what we've seen. So I'd like to say that you're wrong, Joe. But if he's if he's the 13th or 14th forward uh, after all the cuts are done, I think we better brace ourselves for another year's worth of headaches here. Beth, I'm so defeated. Beth. Yeah, and if if that's the case, then goodbye to all of our beautiful dreams of, of magnificent fourth lines. Goodbye, dreams. Oh God. Goodbye, dreams. Goodbye. Sweet dreams. Farewell. Avia, say goodbye. So long. I don't know the rest of the words to that song, but you got to hear my voice, which I've been told is the, uh, the voice That's of the angel. That's the important part. That is the important part. Um, that This is where I get truly frustrated because when you think about the development of the youth on this team and we've said it before, I'm going to say it again. I do like quoting myself, by the way, I think it's a really, it's a big power <laughs> move. Like there is writing that I have because no one else is quoting me. Let's be honest. The only other people who are quoting me are like, let's look at what this idiot said. So if I can quote myself positively, I will. Um, we've talked in the past, the, potholes that Vigneault was incapable of navigating around in Vancouver and ultimately ended up with him being fired are what's happening in New York. He had an atrocious youth development track record in Vancouver. And you look at when he came in, everybody thought, oh my God, this is going to be awesome. Tortorella hates Chris Kreider. We need to get Kreider going. You know, we need to get all these young players going. And I think part of the reason why Crowder's developed so slowly is because of the way that he was treated when Tortorello was here. That doesn't look all that much different from the way Vigneault was treated or JT Miller was treated or a lot of these kids were treated. You cannot pick and choose what kids you want to invest in when you're not choosing other kids to invest in. If the Rangers only had one spot, for example, and it was a decision between VC and Buchnevich. That's a different story. When the options are VC, Buchnevich, or Glass, you don't pick the not investment. You know what Glass is. He is what he is. You know what veterans are. They are what they are. You don't play Nash because it's an investment. You play Nash because he's the best three-way forward you have. You don't play Zuccarello because he's an investment. You play him because you know what you have. You know what Glass is. Standing in front of the mirror and mirror and saying Beetlejuice three times in a row will not produce Beetlejuice. You can't say Glass is a great forward, Glass is a great forward, Glass is a great forward, and have it happen. There were three games last year, and they all came right after his call-up where Glass deserved to be in the lineup. He had positive possession numbers. He contributed. He was doing all kinds of crazy things. And I said, as long as he keeps playing like that, I'm not going to say anything. But it doesn't last because it can't last. At his best, he does not bring to the table what Peary brings at his worst. And if you can honestly look me in the eye and tell me Peary should not make this team because of his defensive deficiencies, and then you tell me Glass should make this team because of other reasons, 
I am going to take a nap because I can't deal with it anymore. There is nothing else to say. If you haven't seen it yet, whatever. And like Mike said, it's pattern recognition. We know what's going to happen. If it happens where Glass makes the team in some capacity, he is going to play. Vigneault says what he wants you to believe, and then he does what he wants to do. That's it. There is no other option. Vigneault says we've got to hold people accountable. But, Kevin Hayes, you're not, you're not playing in the playoffs. It's a do-or-die game, but Glass is playing in the playoffs. And like Beth said, it was so bad last year that Shea being even marginally competent on defense was something that we were shooting fireworks off because of. That's because you're dealing with a coach who does not adjust at all. And it's the reason why he was fired in Vancouver. And it's going to be the reason why he gets fired if he gets fired in New York. Because I don't see a cup at the end of the rainbow. Not anymore. I did at one time. I really did. I don't see it anymore. Unless they make drastic changes next year or unless there's some magical change this year. Maybe they, the Rangers find a way to get... Uh, yeah, I, I was calling him Trauba. I guess it's Truba. Truba. With the, it's the always Trouba. Um, it's Well, you know, I... This is also a guy who called Hermione Hermoyne when he was reading the Harry Potter <laughs> series forever. Even after I knew it was Hermione, I still called her Hermoyne. So if you want to know why my articles are riddled with spelling errors and all sorts of grammatical problems that cause Beth to go to the drink, it's because I'm an idiot. Don't ever forget that. Um, I, I just think it's the road we're heading down. I really do. I, I already, when Vigneault says, defense and penalty kill specialist, he's talking about Glass on that fourth line because that's the way he played Glass last year, even though under no circumstances did that work out. Until the gun is taken out of his hand, there is nothing you can do to stop him. Glass should have been cut already. What is he still here for? Vigneault said he wants to play his lineup on Thursday, but now all of a sudden he needs to get a better idea of what's going on. Why? So that he can figure out who he's cutting no, it's because he needs to figure out how to make this work because he tr- – and listen, for all the, the stuff that we say and for all the warts and for everything, I, you know, I made a conscious effort really not to talk, like go on these crazy rants to the show and to talk less because everybody makes fun of me. This is my one exception. So <laughs> even though I failed pretty miserably through the show, I, I, I don't think – it's not like Vigneault is doing this because he – oh, Glass is the worst player in the world, but I'm going to play him anyway because we're friends. Vigneault has a job to do, too. He just genuinely believes that Glass gives the team a better chance to win. And that's an even worse offense, in my eyes. Because if you can't see that, if you can't see that Girardi is a serious problem, if you can't see that your veterans are letting you down, you probably shouldn't be the head coach anymore. That's all. I mean, that's really that's what it comes down to. And my last straw with him, and hopefully we're just talking about this, and we can look back on this next week and laugh because he's not on the team anymore and because everybody made the right decisions. <laughs> I'm already totally turning a blind eye to the fact that Girardi is making the team and he shouldn't be, but whatever. In the event that Glass makes this lineup and he's not cut and he's the 14th forward, I'm done. I'm out in terms of not being on the fire of a bandwagon. And maybe I'm being harsh. Beth, am I being harsh? But that's just if I don't think so. Not with what he's got years, to choose from this year. Right. Okay. So continue because you're going to make me feel better about that, that hot take. No, I mean, how much fun has it been in this preseason to see some of these guys playing together? Um, 
there is so much potential there. If a coach that can't make something amazing out of this offense, uh, I shouldn't be a coach. I don't, you know, I mean, there's so much power there. There's so much skill. There's so much potential. And it does not have room for Tanner Glass. That's all there is to it. Michael? I'm not really sure I can say it much better than Beth just did. It's, I, it's, I know it's something that, you know, people are tired of hearing about. One of those things where you can't really ignore it. It's, it's still a problem that he's still here, and it's still a problem that, you know, he played as much as he did last season. He has, you know, he has this year left on his contract and then he's the USA. So, mercifully, the gun will be taken out of his hands in a series of, you know, by the, the cold hands of time. But um, <laughs> before we let that before we let that resolve everything for us, it would be great to see Vigneault show that he knows he has a lot of guys on the right side of 30 that he can use here. And, you know, I would, I would, if he's able to get this, this group and pick the right guys and show that, you know, if the Rangers just get into the playoffs and then, you know, get their asses handed to them, that's fine because it'll be doing things the right way. Having glass in the lineup isn't going to get the Rangers any deeper into the playoffs. Just like having Girardi stick around isn't going to get the Rangers any deeper into the playoffs. It's heart and character are great things, and having your guys, Fervino, you know, if he needs a, a security blanket of some kind, it would be a lot better if, if it wasn't a black hole for possession or someone that costs almost $6 million a year on the cap. You know, we need to look at Reno objectively and ask ourselves what we expect and what we want from him. And we know what we want. So if, if we don't see the right things, then I think it's, there's good reason to jump on that quote-unquote fire Reno bandwagon. But I don't know. I, I, I want to believe things will be better. It's just... Uh, it's hard to do that given what we've seen so far. <laughs> well, right. There, there's no evidence that it's not going to be exactly what you think it's going to be. That's the problem. You can yeah. stop telling me that I'm not a head coach. I know I'm not a head coach. You can stop telling me that he knows things that we don't know. I know he knows things that we don't know. I'm going to tell you to watch the game, which is odd because that's usually what stat people get told, and tell me how he makes the team better. That's what I want to know. I want to know how a guy who very clearly, and again, like this is, it should be somewhat uncomfortable because he's a really good guy, but the goal is to win a Stanley Cup. Vigneault was brought here to get the Rangers over the hump. They've regressed significantly all years that he's been here, and the team that he did the best with was the team he had the least amount of personnel input on. If that doesn't tell you anything, then you're not paying enough attention. I'm not saying he can't turn it around. And let's be completely honest, if after Thursday he cuts glass, he makes a lineup of four skill forwards, I don't know what he can do with Girardi at this point, but it is what it is. Clem Benning's out there, and the Rangers don't win every single game and people go crazy. Hats off, because that's what he should be doing. The process is far more important than the results right now because the result is not going to be a Stanley Cup one way or another, not unless some drastic changes happen. 
But to turn around and say, hey, listen, you know, we're going to do our best and we think we're going to get hot at the right time. And, oh, by the way, Girardi is going to be on the first pairing with McDonough and Glass is going to be on the fourth line. He's going to get 12 minutes a night. Uh Uh-uh. Not no more. No, 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 no. I have no, no, no. I have spent too much time (laughs) criticizing him, but defending the fact that I still think he's the right coach that you can make the wrong decision or not that he's the right coach, but that he doesn't deserve to be fired, that he can learn from this. If he did not learn from last year's embarrassment, uh, I don't know what to tell you. It's like when the kid touches the hot stove. You do it once, you say, okay, you burned yourself. Maybe don't do that again. They do it a second time, you you deserve to get burned. Except the thing is, the Rangers fans are the people whose hands are being touched to the stove, and they're all screaming, no, 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 let's not do this, and it's being done anyway. Uh, I don't know. You, and to Beth's point, you look at the wealth of talent the Rangers have. It's like having a ton of Christmas presents under the Christmas tree in the morning, and then I'm going to light these on fire. I think that's what I'm going to do. That's what it is. You have a gift. Your general manager put together a, co- a cohesive group of forwards. Through hook and by crook, he acquired first-round talent without having first-round draft picks. You have a young core. The older statesman on this team is Stepan at 26 years old. Forget Nash and Zuccarello. But you're getting younger. All the work that Gordon did to these forwards to make the Rangers what they are right now, and now you're going to turn around and you're going to insert glass over more talent. It just, uh, I came into this postseason thinking there was no way that that's going to happen. And now I think there's really no way that that's not going to happen. And it is what it is. Anything you guys want to add to this now depressing podcast? Just my tears. Which you can't even hear. You can't hear the tears. Mike, no. anything you want to add? Maybe about your alleged puppy throwing or some type of defense? Well, you just brought up children burning their hands on stoves, so I don't yeah, know if you, if you should be one to talk. Take a very, um, very, very, very dark turn, as it so often does. I think the Rangers should take a, a look at Jakob Kendall. He's on the waiver wire just to make things a bigger headache. That's what I think. Well, they they won't even... They won't even play clandestine. Probably you're going to pick up another quality defenseman. Yeah, why not? Yes, Beth. Did you have something to yell or scream about? Uh, well, I mean, I do. It's like we are so used to this pain that we're almost—I'm not going to say excited, but uh, it's hard to imagine that we're going to get news. And I'm going to the game tomorrow night we're going to get news and then glass will be gone. And we have to believe that if that happens, that this is, you know, that Vigneault's choices are improving. Let's leave Girardi aside for the moment. Um, And I guess I'm just going to try to stay positive and think that that could still happen. It may be the last second. It may be the last thing he does, but before before the regular season starts, but let's just try to believe that it's going to happen. Look, Girardi is a Gordon thing. Glass is a Vigneault thing. And if Glass gets cut, then it is a total heel turn to this loyalty aspect that we've seen from Vigneault before. And it's a good thing. It means that he's changing and he's evolving and he's willing to get uncomfortable and admit that what he did and what he's doing in New York is not working. Girardi is a different problem. We're, we're going to get into that when the season begins and 
it's going to be an unfortunate series of just trial and error and see where he works and see what we're dealing with and, and whatever. But glass is an easily fixable Vigneault problem. He can fix that tomorrow if he wants to. And like Beth said, whether or not he actually does that is going to be a totally different story. But if he cuts him and he's willing to change things up, then I think there are very, very, very many coaches that are way worse than Vigneault is. When Vigneault's system works, it's brilliant. You've seen what he's capable of doing. The amount of regular season success he's had, the amount of playoff success that he had. He's not a bad coach. But I think some of the blind eyes that he turns to some of the bigger issues on this team make him a very flawed coach. And who isn't? No one's perfect. This podcast isn't perfect. I'm not perfect. Beth and Mike are perfect. But outside of that... I maybe am. Henrik Lundqvist is perfect, actually. I don't think there's anything (laughs) bad about him. But outside of that, if he's willing to adjust that way, then he's learned his lesson. And that's what you need. You need to take defeats and embarrassments like the Rangers had last year and learn from it. You need to be able to evolve and adapt. The game is changing every single day, every year. And the Rangers made all types of moves that make you believe that they're capable of doing that on offense and did nothing on defense. That's on the the general manager for whatever reason. The way that Girardi is utilized, yeah, okay, that goes in Vigneault too. But for right now, glass is an easily fixable problem. That's all. Fix it or don't. I don't know. I know what I would do, but I'm not the head coach. Maybe they can make me the head coach. This could be my my interview. But, yeah, I, I just I don't see it. Uh, anything you guys want to uh, end with before I do my uh, all my you know promos and all that stuff? No. Um, no, I think you know it's going to be exciting to see how things wrap up here in the preseason. Um, I don't think we've given enough given enough love to Zabinajad and how great he looks. I know Joe made a point to say that you know it looks like he's already going to kind of slide right in and replace Broussard's production, but I don't think people understand how big of a deal that is. It's uh, That trade has looked better with each passing preseason game. And I know it's the preseason and we try not to freak out, but he has looked absolutely awesome. And he's something the team really needed. He's a guy with a right-handed shot who can play center and who can play top six minutes who can, you know, maybe approach 60 points. And that's something that, you know, Stepan hasn't done. So, you know, there's there's good reason to, to feel good about that now that we've talked about horrible, horrible, horrible things for 30 minutes. So that's what I'll bring up. I don't think it was as good of a rant as last week's, but it was – we kind of touched on it a little bit and it kind of ruined everything. But, man, you know what? It is what it is. We have to give the people what they want. You're getting <laughs> right now. You've gotten 30 minutes of bonus content free from bantering the blue shirts. Um, one, shirt. So <laughs> two announcements that have nothing to do with, uh, or not directly blue shirt banter. SB nation has launched a women's website for women's hockey called the ice garden. Go follow them at twitter.com slash the ice garden. The website I think is the ice garden.com. So you can just go there uh, join up, become a subscriber, talk about all things women hockey. I think they're covering the uh, National Women's Hockey League and the Canadian Women's Hockey League. So I think it's going to be kind of a just a, a sporting board, everything. if you will, college of women's too. hockey. Oh, college yeah. as well. I actually saw something about Quinnipiac on there, but 
I'm not really speaking to Quinn. Yeah, I'm actually right going to write um, about the Russian women's hockey league over there pretty soon. So it is what it is. Michael will be joining that in his uh, never-ending endeavor to grow the game, if you will. Uh, speaking of, you can read both Beth and Mike on blueshirtbanter.com slash Riveters, where they cover the Riveters. Uh, the other piece of news, SB Nation is launching their NHL preview tomorrow. It is a beautiful, beautiful interactive preview for every single team. We will have three questions that I ask that are going up tomorrow. One of them is whether or not the lack of uh, defensive moves are going to sink the Rangers. Spoiler, it will. Uh, whether or not <laughs> Jeff Gore or Elaine Vigneault is going to give opportunities to Piri or not Piri, uh, Buchnevich and Vesey. Spoiler alert, maybe. And I don't remember what the second question was, but it has an answer to it on the website. So uh, like that, please share that. It's so much work goes into creating that. It really is beautiful. Um, the link back is to Blue Shirt Banter, but SB Nation is running the actual uh, promo for every single team. So even if you're not a Rangers fan, you can appreciate it and maybe see what other teams are doing or thinking. Uh, like I said, you can read both Mike and Beth on blueshirtbanter.com slash riveters. You can read all of us at just blueshirtbanter.com. Mike designed an awesome Crab People logo. We have a shirt that you should buy. The link is on the most recent game day notes and the most recent bantering the blue shirts reminder. I, I have a pinned tweet right now that is all the places that you can download the podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, which we're now a part of. Uh, I'm going to add the shirt, uh, the store really logo slash link in there as well. Um, this way you guys can all find it and it will be nice and easy. Uh, don't know what else really to add. Is there anything you guys want to pimp that you're doing? No. This this just seems like a good time to confess that I kept getting Gerber and Grabney or see, I still can't do it. Grabney and Gerber. I, I, this is why I don't want to talk about prospects because I kept getting their names most mixed up. And every time I looked them up, I swear to God, they changed on me. So I just need a lineup so that I can make sure I'm right about everybody and start talking again more. Cause I know you guys all want to so, hear me talk more. That's deeply important. They're not, that's it for me. They're not prospects, <laughs> but you know I want you I mean. to say their names again because you have not said it right to this point. So we're going to do this yeah. live. We need you to say Let's it right. Let's go. Uh, they are, their Gerber names baby. are. Their names are. Go ahead. You can do it. Nope. You can do it. Nope. nope. You have to do it. You have nope. to. You this have is to the do thing it. you're taking a stand on. You have to do it. Gerb. Grab. See, I had NyQuil. Can I talk about how much NyQuil I had? Yeah, this isn't a good time to make me do this. Gerb? Am I the only one on the show who can pronounce names right? Yeah, I'm terrible at it, by the way. Don't even one more try, because this is, this is the best part of the show. Our entire show should just turn into the Beth Macklin talking about Gerby and Grabner hour. I just gave you the names. Say the names. Gerby and Grabner. There it is. Yeah. Gerby and Grabner? All right. Yeah, Gerby and Grabner. Gerby and Grabner. Not Michael Gerbner or Gerbadner <laughs> or whatever it was that it was originally, but this was uh, – see, this makes me feel good now. I was nervous, but now I feel really good. That was that was really special. How much NyQuil did you drink? Um, enough that I don't know people's names, and I'm almost ready to tell you that, like, waivers, like – you know, escrow for real estate are a thing I pretend to understand, but really don't. So we should probably not let me talk anymore. Mike, you say things. 
Um, See, I, 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 I shocked you both into silence. <laughs> you sort of did. This has been special, though. <laughs> Beth also bought a vehicle, so congratulations on that, Beth. You, uh, which I won't be driving this evening, in case anyone. No, 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 no. You're not. You're not. Oh God. If if you guys see uh, someone sleeping and just driving violently, screaming about Macarath, it uh, it's Beth. That's what she's doing. I'm over it. I'm past that's it. It's okay. beautiful boy. For now, that's probably the the Zequil speaking. <laughs> <laughs> Has anyone seen my son? <laughs> um. Okay, what else was I going to say? Oh, yes, you can follow us on uh, Twitter, twitter.com slash blueshirtbanter for me. I am verified now, big head. Uh, twitter.com slash digdeepbsb for Mike. Uh, twitter.com slash Beth Macklin for Beth Macklin, who, uh, you know, you can also find Nathan Gerber and uh, Michael, <laughs> Michael Grabby. Uh, you can follow them on Twitter, find, too. Uh, it is, it's Grabby's birthday. Yes, most TV. Oh, yeah. any any place that has drugs, any type of a drugstore, she she's there buying copious amounts. It's over the of, counter. Uh, it is over the in, counter. I don't even think you need to get your license. Like when I buy Sudafed and they think I'm making meth, they need to just mark everything out. Uh, did I talk about the Ice Garden yet? I did. Go follow them. Enjoy them. The preview's coming out tomorrow. Buy shirts. Go buy shirts. Go to the link that I have, and I will continue putting on stories and buy shirts. Uh, we're going to come up with other designs, too. And by that, I mean I've now tasked Mike to do work because I can't draw anything, and Mike does 90% of the work and is the uh, – he's really the guy in charge. I think that's – it's worth saying. Good luck to the Mets who are playing their one-game playoff right now. The Rangers play their final preseason game tomorrow. They are off for an entire week, and then the season opener is on Thursday. That's what I wanted to say. If you are going to the season opener, we are doing what I like to call the meeting of the minds between uh, Gate C – on the upper level between the first and second period. Um, I think it's right outside like section 216 or something. I will be there. Tony will be there. 50 will be there. It sounds like a couple of people from the website will also be there. So we do a nice little meetup and uh, everybody can meet each other and realize that we're real people and not robots. So yeah, that's really it. Thank you everybody for listening and continuing to listen. I hope this was worth it. If nothing else, listening about Nathan, Grabber or Gerbner or whatever it was is uh, See, something you can listen to. It's something you can listen to forever. It never goes away. Hearing Beth say that is, <laughs> is there forever. Okay, we've we've this is it's like we've all been drinking Nyquil. Thank you for listening. Uh, we will see you next Wednesday at eight Thank o'clock, you, where we'll probably have another crazy rant, and uh, maybe Beth will be on Nyquil permanently. We don't know. Maybe Good I'll night, try a different drug every week. You'll see. This is, uh, we're all going to be arrested. This is what's going to happen now. Now now we're being arrested. This is, <laughs> that's, uh, enjoy your freedom while you have it. Good Don't night. Don't throw puppies. Good night, everybody. Dinosaurs. <laughs>